Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the pastor of the Okinawa International Seventh-day Adventist Church, a position he has been serving in for over four years. Pastor Mason Komeja, welcome to the Upward Way. Thank you, Brother Marlon. Uh, you're welcome, and it's really a pleasure to have you on our show. And uh, I must say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule share your story with us today. First up, could you just walk us through your journey in terms of, you know, how it is that you came to be a Christian? Well, you know, that, that question is probably the easiest of um, all the questions because I was born in, a, in an Adventist home. My parents were Adventists when I was born, but they were not um, Adventists to begin with. So they joined the, chur- um, the church after my eldest brother was born. But when I was born, I think it was the, the best you know, years of uh, my uh, family's life because they were in a different country. They were serving as missionaries in, in Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire. And um, life was good, I believe. I think uh, looking back, I remember that I had the best you know, memories um, the best pictures because um, when I was born, they had maybe more uh, money to to buy things that could um, help seal those memories. I had some good memories, and then uh, when I was five years old, we moved back to my home country, Togo. My father worked as um, as a treasurer of the Togolese mission. And that is where I began to really enjoy church. I had new friends, new church, and um, we grew up in a new church where we, we began that church, if I want to say that, because we were all in this home church, but then it was time to move out. And so my father and my mom and some other members of the, the central church moved to this new, you know, not city, but more like um, community. And we began to start that new church. And I remember that we were the pioneers of that church. And that's where all my my memories as a young Adventist, young Christian, you know, began. I had some very, very good memories. Was in the Path on the Club, um, led in, um, was joined the choir, was in uh, singing groups here and there. And Pretty much, I, you know, I began to to take leadership as well in the church. I remembered my my brother was the pianist of the church, and it got time that he had to leave, went to the state, and I felt the responsibility to, you know, to take his place, even though no one asked me, but I, I felt that conviction that the family had the responsibility to provide a pianist to the church. And so I did not know how to play piano. But then I asked God, well, if 
that's what you want me to do, then give me the ability to, to learn. And so I started learning and pretty much God um, gave me the gift. Uh, I started playing by ears and I became the pianist of the church. Um, I don't know how many years it took, but it was not that long. And that was the beginning from that pianist became choir director. Then I started my own, you know, singing groups. It was just amazing. So all in all, I could say that, you know, my Christian journey began from home. Seeing my parents, the church, and um, I just, being an Adventist was just natural. So I don't know, you know, what it is not to be a Christian. So if I, you know, I can say that, and I don't know what it means not to be an Adventist because everything was drilling to me, even though some people came to the truth in their later years. So they knew what they were signing up for and stuff like that. I just grew up in the church, but it got to a point that I needed to make my own decision. When I decided to be baptized, you know, it was my own decision, even though some of my peers got baptized a year or two before. And I was tempted, like, oh, should I just join them? But I remembered not following, you know, the mass. I wanted to take my time and make my own decision. Even though some of my friends, after they got baptized, they moved into the adult class. And I was still with the juniors. I was like, oh, man, I should have been there. But Knowing that I had to make my decision for myself, my parents did not force me in getting baptized. Um, my mom allowed us to make our own decision when we felt that you know it was time to accept Christ as you know as our personal savior. And I made that decision, and that was the best decision I've ever made: joining Christ, not for my parents, but for me. But you see. The story could be that beautiful, that perfect, but that was not my journey. Uh, my journey, it was good. It was, it was, I was inspired by my, my parents, especially my dad. I looked up to him um, because he was, he was so good in, you know, speaking up front. He was um, charismatic. A lot of people really, you know, loved him and they respected him. And so as the elder of the church, I was the eldest son, and they held that, you know, to higher standard, even though we were always not naughty boys here and there. But everything changed when my father decided to leave the family. And right after that, he also left the church. And that was the biggest, I was, I think, 10, 11 years old. So that was even before I got baptized. So you could already imagine that just five, six years Coming back to, you know, to Togo, this happened. Five kids my mom had, she was left, you know, with all those um, kids. And we had to try to understand what was going on. Like the elder of the church, our father just threw everything out of the window and just stopped believing, like stopped believing what he was teaching and, and telling us that this is the truth. So that kind of hit us hard. Um, and I, for the longest time, we had issues forgiving him or having issues going back to church and explaining why your dad is not here. Your, the elder is no longer here. Where is he? He left to join another family, got married to another woman. And as a young boy, it, it was tough to, you know, to swallow. The shame, the embarrassment, and thinking if this religion 
was in any way genuine um, what we we had at home. So we had to figure out, you know, what was really the truth. Um, if dad was just doing it for the sake of doing it, and if he ever believed in it. But thank God, thank God, our mom did not. She didn't go into depression. She did not collapse. She did not leave us behind. I believe that our father leaving the home was a blessing in this in disguise because that experience, that trial changed my mother. She went into being the elder's wife to becoming the single mother <laughs> and the one that was left behind to becoming a woman of prayer. And I saw it firsthand. My mom spent all her time, her even resources, whatever she had, and she spent time you know, praying from one prayer group to another, to retreats, this and that, always on the move, praying. At night, I will see her sometimes come in the room while I was sleeping, puts her hands upon me, pray over me. And that, I believe, changed me. Um, I, I learned the power of prayer and how prayer could really keep you grounded and give you perspective that you would not have if you were not, you know, on your knees and praying to God. She said something to us later on. Now, when our father left, she prayed to God and she told God, my kids don't have a father and I need you to become their father. And brother and anybody that is listening, that was true. God was our father. We could not see him. But when I look back, I don't know how we did not get into trouble. We didn't, we didn't follow you know, some bad influences or even left the church or gave our mother a lot of issues or getting into prison and stuff like that. I don't know how, but I know God was the one. He kept us in good health, grounded, and we still continue to do what we know. And that, I would say, was because of mom's prayers and how she lived her faith in adversity that helped us not to kind of moan about our situation, but if she could handle that and if she, if she could still have him come home once a week, smile, cook for him, as if nothing happened, you were like, mom, are you like, are you crazy? How can you still do good to him when he left you and put us in this situation? That has always been what we were, you know, always frustrated about. But seeing her do that, and she will always say, hey, he's still your father. You know, whatever happened between, you know, him and him, that's between us. But you need to continue to respect him and, and love him because, you know, whether you like it or not, he's still your father. And she wanted us to forgive him. She wanted us to accept him, to, to love him as if nothing had happened. That was tough. But for the longest time, I think he had a soft, you know, heart for me. I'm a third one. Uh, so I had a good relationship with him, even though he was no longer here. I was still okay. I will smile when he comes or whatever. But deep down, I was not okay. And he thought among all the, his children, I was still the one closer to him. I was the one that he knew, you know, I loved him no matter what or whatever. But it was not true. I did get a lot of blessing through that virtual, you know, I want to call it plastic relationship, you know, because I could not express 
um, to him everything that I was feeling. I got to a point one day I could not take it any longer. I decided to just, you know, spit it out. And it was not good. I told him, you have not apologized to the family. You've done all this stuff. You know, you hurt mom and this and that, that you needed to apologize and stuff. And he, he didn't take it well. His pride was too high. I mean, I shouldn't have, you know, gone that way. But I felt like, you know, enough is enough. I think I need to speak my piece. And he looked at me and said, I hope one day, you know, your son will not talk to you like that. And that kind of broke my heart. I felt like, okay, maybe I overstepped. And at that particular moment, I knew something was not right with my Christianity. My relationship with God shouldn't have allowed me to keep grudges all these years and not forgive him when God says, you know, we have to forgive, you know, those who hurt us, right? And forgiveness is divine. I know, humanly speaking, it's difficult to forgive. But unless we forgive, our Father in heaven cannot forgive us. So I had to take some time and ask God to help me forgive my father. And God did. After that, I think that was the, 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 the one time that happened. And after that, God helped me overcome that. And I was able to forgive him. From that time on, I had a huge weight taken off of my shoulders. And I was able to grow into just in, you know, unconditionally loving him and having a good relationship with him. And that was maybe one of the, the hardest times in my, you know, Christian journey. And um, up to today, looking back, I know that I am the man I am today because of how God led us not to fall because of the circumstances, right? But to actually thrive because of the, the situation we went through to become solid Christians, Christians that understand that, yes, in life, bad things will happen, you know, things happen in life, but that should not take away the fact that we have a, a heavenly father that loves us and he's always there um, to care for us and to hold our hands and take us all the way to where he needs us to be. So that will be, you know, a summary of my journey from being a very happy boy born in the church to moving back to Togo and having uh, my father leave and everything crumbling, you know, as if, you know, this was this really real, then finding Christ for myself, then dealing with forgiveness and letting God take that away from me. It's quite a journey, quite a journey. And if there's one thing that I could pull from, from it all is that, you know, nothing is impossible for God. Now, there are two things that I would want you to, to honor from you. So you share the challenges, the difficulties you would have had along with your family with, with that split. So first question, you know, how important is it for parents and in this case, fathers to really play a role in the life of their children? Because your father was in a sense absent, but also in a sense present, not 100% present, but how important is it for fathers to be there in the life of their children? Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. I could just remember the importance of his presence, not just at home, but at church. That or those days were, I would say, the best days because we will live and practice religion based on 
how our father led in the house and how he led at church. He was our role model. You know, we're looking up to him. So that played a very important role in my life. And I know if he continued to be home and continue to live what he was preaching, it would have made my, you know, teenage years probably better because yes, I did have other challenges that probably might not have had if my dad was present constantly at home. But it's very important for parents, especially fathers, to be present not only in the home, but in the education of their, their children, especially the spiritual aspect. The Bible tells us that the fathers are supposed to be the priests of their home. And, you know, even though my mom took over that role and she kind of asked God to take over that, it would have been much more powerful if my dad was there all the time and was leading that out. I learned from that and I'm trying to do that, you know, in my home right now with my children. I'm not always home, but my son knows when I get home, he always wants to have that family worship time where I got to lead. And he looks up to that every single night. Sometimes when I'm like, it's late, son, Uh, we've either come from church so we've already kind of worshiped. He's like, dad, worship time. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, we have to worship because it's become a routine for him and he wants us to have it. So it's important for parents, especially fathers, to play a very active role in the life of their, their children. Amen. And they're very, very important. And it was good that your mom was a praying mom. Maybe later on, I'll get back to that aspect of your life. Now, you also spoke about the the need, the importance, and also the challenge, the challenge you had in terms of forgiveness. And sometimes when we interface with persons, whether they are Christians, yes or no, forgiveness is like a, a trump card, a big thing for them. Of course, we know what the Bible says. And, you know, it may seem as if I'm being, you know, crazy in, in just quoting scripture, but why is forgiveness, you know, so important? And what are the benefits? So why is it so important? And then Later on, or in the same breath, what are the benefits of forgiving someone who has really hurt you? I will probably answer this question using my own experience. Forgiveness is important because the nature of God is to forgive. And we know that I personally, I cannot say I was perfect. I've done nothing and I've lived a perfect life. Talk about my relationship with God. Every time I go on my knees and ask him, Lord, forgive me for doing this or forgive me for doing that. And I expect God to forgive me. But when it came to my father, it felt like what he did was worth the what I have done against God, right? So we tried to, you know, compare the the damage, right, done by the other person compared to what we do on a constant basis toward God or other people. And we feel like I deserve forgiveness. He does not. Because either he did not ask for forgiveness he did not apologize, and he's still, you know, rebelling or he's still in his sin. And so those were the things that really made me feel like he doesn't deserve to be forgiven because he didn't even ask for it. So why should I even forgive him? And I think a lot of people get to that, you know. Why should I forgive somebody who does not even acknowledge that he's done something wrong, right? When he thinks he's, 
he's okay and he's you know we should be grateful that he is still taking care of us or you know giving us you know um fucking money and this and that so those were the things i was struggling with when i was you know thinking whether i should forgive him or not but benefit of forgiveness is the restoration of your relationship with god knowing that because you also have forgiven somebody god will forgive you knowing that number one, your relationship with god is restored when you forgive others now you see when we refuse to forgive people those people they go home they sleep peacefully they don't have any issue especially those who don't want to acknowledge that they've done something wrong they have no issue but the weight is on us is on me all these years i could have enjoyed life but because of that grudges are held in my heart against my dad i was not free i was held captive because of those things i could not forgive um and when you forgive someone what you do to yourself is that you free yourself from those emotions those negative feelings towards somebody and when you forgive that person you just feel empty you feel um relieved and you can actually move on when you don't forgive you are the one held captive and i think god wants us to forgive so we can move on and i think my relationship just like i shared with you prospered or i was able to grow after i forgave my father i felt that i had a better relationship with him because now i could i didn't have to pretend to like him i didn't have to pretend to um to smile you know when i was you know with him yes he did not ask for forgiveness but because i forgave him i was okay i was okay and it was just better so i i, I just want to encourage people if you're struggling with forgiveness doesn't matter what people have done against you yes some of the things people have done are very very hard to forgive and forget but remember if you don't forgive you are the one held captive you will not move on you will not be able to prosper and have peace and if you do that then you're restoring your relationship with that individual but also your relationship with God i am trying not to laugh you mentioned you know those persons that are sleeping peacefully that would have hurt you and you are there unable to sleep if there's no other benefit that you'd have gained from what pastor just said just recognize that it will help you to sleep well and you know some sometimes we go to doctors and we seek for medication sleeping pills etc it could be that all we need is just to unload and to forgive someone who has hurt us thank you for that you spoke about you know your mother being a praying praying woman and sometimes too just as um, you shared we we pray about things and things don't work out the way we expect does this mean we should stop praying does this mean that god is not uh, hearing us what is your take that's a very 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 interesting and good question in my experience we always get an answer from god every time we pray we get an answer from god it might not be the answer we want but we always get an answer from god to be yes no or not now and once you know god is saying no we shouldn't pray about that anymore um and if god says not yet what well, you keep praying until it's the time that he gives it to you um and, and so it's important for us when we pray not just to pray because of what we want but pray and ask god's will to be revealed to us and i think 
I was able to put into practice. And when I pray, you know, there are some general prayers we do, but when you're praying for a specific thing, you cannot just let it be general. You have to be specific with God. And that's where the answer has to be clear to you. Is God saying yes? Is God saying no? Or is God saying not now? And as you grow in your prayer walk with God, you will find that you will know when God is saying yes, and you will know when he's saying no. And you will also know when he's saying not now. And I have different example for all those ones. But I think the key there is keep praying until you know God's will. And when the will is no, stop praying. Um, keep praying until you know God heard you and he has answered you. But God always answers. Never think that he does not answer your prayer. And his answers are not always what you want them to be. Amen. Amen. So if God says no, then we just stop asking. Yes. So I, I think that is one sometimes we have a challenge with knowing when God says no. Now, as I look behind you, I, I can see you have a nice, nice bookcase. And so this question, you know, what book or what books have you read that would have had the greatest impact on your life? I do. I do have a lot of books. Um, not all mine. Um, I was blessed to have a church where um, the previous pastors were able to buy books in the bookshelves here um, for the pastors study. Apart from all these great books, I think the one that really made a huge impact in my life, as small as it may look, it is Steps to Christ. Steps to Christ. Desire of Ages also um, kind of opened up my mind on, you know, Christ's life, you know, that, you know, the Bible does not record in detail. Um, and those um, back, you know, stories between the disciples, and you know, that also did help me a lot in my, in my journey. But Steps to Christ, I'm reading it again, you know, <laughs> it's just an interesting book because there is a way to be saved. There is a way to become like Christ. And this book tells you exactly how to become like Christ. In detail, a lot of people think, just believe. But friends, there's nothing like just believe. There is a way. There is a process of becoming, you know, living from being a sinner to being saved, becoming a disciple and become like Christ. Um, and that, this book tells you. What is interesting about this book also is that I think apart from the Bible, it is the most translated book. Yeah, the most translated in the world, I believe, uh, in all the other languages. This book can be read by anybody and they will not even know it's an Adventist book because it does not specifically talk about being an Adventist. It's talking about following Christ and becoming like him. And so if you have not read it yet, pick it up. It's free on the LNG White um, App Store. You can find a um, free ebook also. Get a copy. Start reading because there is a way to become like Christ. And that has really uh, had an impact in my life. Amen. Steps to Christ. Wonderful book. Now, was there ever a moment along your Christian path that you would have experienced the greatest doubt in or maybe distance from God? Yes, in a sense, yes. But there's a disclaimer. The doubt that I felt was not of itself because I didn't know God was there. I think the doubt was in my personal 
relationship with God if I was doubting if I understood what God was telling me, if I was on the right path, if I was at the right place, and if it was God's will for me to be where I was. So I was conflicted. I was like, I questioned everything else I knew up to that point. That was a very, very dark moment of my life. But thank God, I could have flipped and go to the other side where you say, God does not exist. Uh, I think I was just led, I was led in the wrong path by something. Uh, but then I felt like, no, 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 no. I think the Holy Spirit told me, okay, if you feel this way, it's not God. Because God has not changed and we know he does not make mistakes. So it's probably your interpretation of whatever was revealed to you. And so that kind of put the boat back to where it's supposed to be so I can kind of go back and then trace back everything God has revealed to me. Uh, now, I know you don't understand what I'm trying, you know, I'm talking about. I need to go back, if you may, go back and tell you how this began. So in my journey, I told you the highlights, but there was something in my journey that kind of changed where, you know, I ended up today. I never dreamt to be a pastor. Surprise. Even though, surprise, surprise. Yes, sir. You know, I wanted to be an accountant. And um, after high school, I applied to go, you know, to, to uh, a university in France. And everything was going well until getting the visa and God just shut the door. And that was a big blow because I went to God in prayer. And I was like, Lord, I have been faithful. Like, you know, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. You know, I started, you know, Signing stuff that other people do, I don't do, or whatever, feeling like I was better than anybody else. But I felt like because I didn't do all this stuff, God owed me something that He had to make things happen for me. And I was very disappointed. And I questioned why God allowed that to happen. Even then, you know, I did not really have that doubt that He didn't exist. I just didn't know why He would let that happen to me, me, Mason, you know? And I think at that moment, my mom told me something that I never thought about. And I think a lot of Christians follow the same path that I, I did. I had something in mind. I wanted to be an accountant. I, I went to do my own thing, right? When God shut the door, she said, but did you ask God what was his plan for your life? And I was like, well, no. But I felt like I was called to do this. You know, this is what I really want to do. And so I decided to fast and pray. During that time, God revealed to me what his plan was for my life. It's becoming a minister. And that was a big surprise. Um, I tried to fight it because I read it, I understood it, but I was like, mom, I don't know. What do you think of what God is trying to say here? And she's like, oh, but this is clear. But she would say something else. So I can actually see, yeah, what I was thinking was not really what God was saying. But as soon as I knew that was God's will for me. I did not fight it, even though, yes, I did not really want to be a pastor, but I did not fight it because I knew if he said it, then um, I'll have to follow. So I followed God's path. And the story is so long. It's so interesting. But took me from your story. <laughs> you you want to hear my story? <laughs> right there. I knew, okay, I knew he was calling me to, to, to be, you know, to the ministry, but I didn't know how or where he wanted me to study. But up front, I 
felt that I did not want to do it in, in Ghana, in West Africa. I wanted um, to go to a place where I would not feel like, well, if it's not working out, I can come back home, you know? I wanted to go to a place a bit far from home so I can have that experience with God. And so God led me to someone working at a division in West Africa. And this lady um, told me that there were two schools in Asia that she would recommend instead of going to the, you know, to the States and stuff like that. She said, India or the Philippines, Spicer, you know, um, college or Adventist University of the Philippines. So I prayed about it and I sent um, an application, you know, to both schools. AUP in the Philippines was the only one that replied to me. So I said, okay, Lord, that means you're guiding to go that direction. But for me, from the time God revealed to me that he wanted me to be a pastor till I went to school, it took four years, four years. And during that time, he took me to Niger. That's a, a very Muslim country in West Africa. And I became a missionary there. I worked for Adra there. And that experience just made me understand life in a very different way. I worked there for a, a year and a half and used all the gifts, like the piano thing that I, he, he helped me get. I was the pianist there as well. So put those gifts into action there. Uh, then I moved to Burkina Faso. I didn't get clear the, the name of the, the country. Niger. Niger. Yeah. Uh, some people call it Niger, but it's Niger. And then after my, you know, I work as a missionary there, I moved to Burkina Faso and I was just working, helping at church while God was putting things in place, waiting for, you know, my papers to be ready to go to the Philippines. And it took four years. During those four years, I learned English because in, in Togo, we speak French. I learned English in Ghana went to Niger, went to Burkina Faso, then moved to, to the Philippines. In the Philippines, everything changed. My brother, I didn't know how learning to be a pastor will feel like. I just knew God called me to do that. So I was just doing what he called me, even though I didn't have the passion for it, but I knew that was God's will for me. So I went to school, but as soon as I started studying, as soon as I started um doing, you know, ministry and stuff like that. As a student, I felt like, hey, this seems right. So like I, I felt that I was called to do this. Like it, it became apparent to me that I was, I was born to do this. So it was no longer something I was struggling with, but actually started to enjoy it. That was the confirmation that um, that was really in me, that that calling was something that God has already put in me and I felt comfortable doing. After I graduated, I will say before I graduated, I learned my lesson from choosing a career before I seen God. So I told God, the first time I tried to do things my way, I was reminded that we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts, not to lean our own understanding, but we have to acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our path. So that was clear to me. And I said, I will not make that, you know, that mistake again. Before graduating, I asked God, I will take some time and I will ask you to tell me where you want me to serve. I thought about going back to my home country, but I said, no, 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 I'm not going to make any decision. 
he has to tell me where he wants me to be so I don't have to go through those disappointments. So I did go for a three-day retreat and God told me where he wanted me to serve, Japan. I never imagined, dreamt to be in Japan or live in Japan. Never. Again, I never wanted to be a pastor. God said, you're going to be a pastor. All right. I never wanted to be, go to Japan. God said, you're going to Japan. By that time, I was dating a lady that had her, her parents in Japan. So when God said Japan, in my mind, I said, oh, probably because of this lady that I was planning to, to, to marry. So it made sense. Okay, okay. So he's sending me there because of her. I made that conclusion myself. God did not say because of her. He said, find a job in Japan. That was, you know, what he told me. It was clear to me. So I waited. I graduated. But before graduating, this is how it gets interesting, my friend. December, God told me Japan. Graduation was in April. In January, I received a call. But I received that call because a friend of mine from Zimbabwe got a missionary job in Indonesia using ABS, Adventist Volunteer Services, the website. And I was like, how did you get, you know, that call? Like, all of a sudden, he said, oh, I'm, I'm moving to Indonesia, even before graduating. So I was really, you know, intrigued and interested to know how. And he showed me the website. He said, you can just apply, and they have all these calls you can choose. And then if they accept your application, then you can go through the process. Guess what? I went on the website. And instead of looking for Japan, I started looking for other countries, right? <laughs> I started looking for places I wanted to go, right? That's where you see the human side of us. It's always trying to do our own thing. Like I look for, you know, countries like UK, other places in Europe, um, some places in America. Then I saw a call as an English teacher in Japan. And I was like, oh, okay, Japan. But that was never my first choice. So I, I clicked it as well. Somewhere at the end of January, I got a call and it was someone from Japan calling, asking about, you know, the information I put on the website. It was an interview. And um, to make it sort of short, this call, they told me that they were going to get back to me if I was selected to be the teacher. But they never got back to me. Then they came back and said, well, there is a position as the Tokyo International Church pastor. That was interesting. Oh, God called me to be a pastor. This is a perfect, you know, opportunity for me. But there was a catch. They had a Hispanic group and they needed someone who spoke Spanish. I did not speak Spanish. I wish it was French. <laughs> but my fiance then um, was a Brazilian, so she could um, help maybe interpret or whatever. So they asked if she was willing to move back to you know to Japan and be part of the congregation and help me. And I prayed about it, but then I got the conviction that that, that was not God's will because she was still in school and she needed, I think she had one more year to finish her nursing course. So even though it was a perfect whatever that I thought, but I knew that it was not God's thought. It was not God's will. So I declined that position and they told me, so we're sorry. You know, there's nothing else for me. So I continue studying because, again, all this time I was still in school, but these things were just happening. And then after, that was in 2011. And then there was in March 11th, 2011 in Japan, they had that earthquake and followed by the tsunami. 
we were all like, wow, really, really caught by surprise. After that event, JUC contacted me again and said, are you still interested in being a teacher in Japan? I was like, sure, I don't. And no other places, right, contacted me to, to work. So telling you that, yeah, I, I had my own thing, but God was shutting all the doors. He only let open the one that he wanted for me. And that's how, by God's grace, I was able to come to Japan. And um, I was a missionary for two years teaching English in Tokyo. Now, remember when God said Japan, I thought he was sending me to Japan because of my then fiance, because of her parents and because she's from Japan. So after I got to Japan, the plan was she finished it, she comes back, we get married, ministry. As soon as she finished her studies, she called out the engagement. And that was that turning point. And my question, why I was in Japan? If and this this was my reasoning. If she was not part of the plan, why did you send me to Japan? Why did you bring me here? Uh, because at the same time that he was telling me to move to Japan, I kind of asked him if I should move forward in this relationship. Because again, I did not want to make any decision without knowing for sure God was. And I believe the answer was yes, move forward. So... That was my biggest, darkest point. Because up to this point, I was confident in every decision I was making moving forward with God, not leaning on my own understanding, even though I kind of made the conclusion that it was because of her. But I knew that he wanted me here. So when she broke off, you know, um, the engagement, then I questioned, so did I get something wrong? If I got that wrong, maybe I got everything else wrong. You see, why I was there, I could not see myself. And I was doubting everything that God revealed to me up to that point, even becoming a pastor. Was that really him or it was just my own imagination and stuff like that? So I questioned my interpretation of God's revelation to me and I went all the way back. So that kind of shook my foundation. And um, I said, it's not God. It's probably me not interpreting what he revealed to me. And thank God I was able to get that right. And getting back to the interpretation of everything, I was able to find out that. And that kind of helped me in my walk with God. Amen, amen. Your story is really and truly inspirational. You know, on so many occasions, we have our own plans for our lives. But God has his own plans for our lives. And once our plans become aligned with his plans, then we will reap ultimate success. Today, we have been speaking with Pastor Mesan Komeja, the pastor of the Okinawa International Seventh-day Adventist Church. Do join us again next week for part two of his story. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world. 